It is Tuesday, November 27th, 2018, and you are tuned into the debut episode of HTM Sports here at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks in audio version at hitting the marks.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the Kareem to my magic, Huckleberry number one, RBB. Rick, welcome to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. But I got to be a little honest with you, Jargo. Coming into this thing, this is a different game. This is a, a different dynamic. I want to drop my wrestling references here, but this is, I guess this is a whole new ball game. This uh, this works then, right? A I whole new ball one. game. Well said. Well said. Let's see if anybody decides to join us here at twitch.tv. We did tell a few people that we were going to be doing this. It's kind of a debut episode. It's a, a bit of a trial run, kind of make sure all the software is working all right, that all the sound boards are good and everything's working well. Uh, Huckleberry, we're going to shoot for a half hour here. Of course, you know, when we shoot for a half hour, things normally end up coming out about an hour and a half. So, uh, let, let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, let's start things off with college football because the big story of the week has got to be your Ohio State Buckeyes just wiping the floor with Michigan 62 to 39 in the horseshoe. Holy crap, Huckleberry. I don't think anybody saw this thing coming. Well, how many times, how many weeks going back and how many times have you repeatedly told me on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, the Buckeyes are done. There is no chance. And I admit it to you, hey, they, they were kind of, they were, they were struggling to get to the finish line. But as long as they kept winning, they gave themselves a chance. And now look where we are here, Jargo. Now you're sitting here eating crow because the Buckeyes are on the verge. They're right there waiting to get in. They still need a lot to happen for them. And this thing is still wide open for a handful of teams. But hey, you didn't give, you didn't believe in the great state of Ohio. Still don't. Luckily, Luckily, we've been thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up for a while here. Yeah, we will talk a little bit more about Ohio State here in just a couple of seconds hey, when we hey. uh, try to talk about this top four. We got Paul Arzola. Before. Paul Arzola is joining us in the chat room. Well, we got Arzola, one of our good friends. But I want to throw it out there to a gentleman I know who's going to be listening to the show. And uh, he's an Ohio guy, but he, he roots for that team just a little north of us. And I'm talking about Horsley there. Uh, but and with the bad weather we are getting, we got icy roads. It is terrible road conditions out there. I want to remind him to keep it at 10 and 2, buddy. You know, just like your record. 10 and 2. Keep it safe while you're getting home to that beautiful family of yours. Harsh. Love it. Love it. Notre Dame outlasts USC. Huckleberry, I thought this game was this coming weekend. I was kind of pissed off because uh, I was going to DVR this game and I was going to watch it and I was all excited to watch it. And then uh, while we were talking about it, you were like, dude, Notre Dame beat USC this weekend. And I was like, God damn it. And then I saw the score and I was like, eh, 24, 17. USC was up on Notre Dame 10 to nothing. Notre Dame had to come back. It was the only time this year that they've been down by double digits Notre Dame showing a little bit of perseverance here, a little bit of tenacity. Nice to see that out of the Irish. No, I think we should look at it on the other side. You know, coming into this playoff system, they have, uh, they've got their dance ticket ready. They're, they're ready to go. They are playoff bound. They took care of business. Uh, now they do have the good fortune. They don't have a conference championship. This is a bye week, and it's a much-needed break for them because they need the rest. Uh, last couple weeks, they've seen some serious injuries uh, at some impactful positions. 
And right now, I'm talking about, you know, we were talking about how Ohio State was kind of struggling to get to the finish line. I think of anyone with the potential to get into this playoff system or those that are already going, Notre Dame's got to be the weakest of this group. And it's yeah. because they're wounded. They're wounded right now. Yeah, they're pretty beat up. Uh, the, the other team that we're actually not going to talk about today um, is UCF. And I was reading online uh, shortly before we started recording today that their quarterback does have blood flow back in his leg. That's good to hear. Um, but unfortunately, with him out, Rick, do you think there's any chance UCF gets into this thing? I mean, if, if all the cards fall the right way, they could weasel their way in here. But without your quarterback, do you even want them in it? I, I, no, I think at this point, it, they could earn a way in as a team. And, and I have always hated that. When you see a team kind of get punished because of one injury, because this is a team sport. You, you got here together. But, you know, what? let's really look at what they're – what they're going to give to them, you'd have to have Northwestern beat Ohio State. Which I think is a real possibility. Which gets them down. Hey, that's one thing we're talking about here in Ohio. You know, We're all excited about that big win. But it's, hey, we all know there's that next step we got to take care of. Yeah, don't but sleep you, on Northwestern. I think for them to get in, you would need Ohio State to lose. You need Texas to beat Oklahoma. And then you need uh, Clemson to lose to... Uh, who do they have here? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Pittsburgh. All right. You'd have to have those three losses. So that would drop them all a little bit there. And Bama would have to win. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. And Bama wins there. You'd have to have all of those losses happen for that committee to say, okay, you know what? We're kind of forced. You forced our hand. We have to give you an opportunity. But even with that quarterback, I mean, we know, we know the strength of schedule. We know the records against the top 25. We know where they're at statistically. I just think that would be a total embarrassment to the game. And you're rewarding a, a program who isn't really willing to get out there and show their hand. It, you know, you gotta, they got to get a harder schedule here. Oh, the I agree. they got to get out of that conference, too. If they, if they want to compete with the big boys, you got to get yourself into a big boy conference. I, I'm, I'm really I'm surprised that we don't see a Big 12 making a run at them to try to get a little bit of stake in – that Southern Territory, that SEC country. Yeah, down in Florida. Uh, try, to pull, try to pull them in. Yeah, seems like something the Big Ten would do. Not that we would ever do something like that with Washington, D.C. or New York City. Well, you, well, look, I mean, just for the Big 12, though, they just need a couple teams to get back to 12 teams. It's so ridiculous. The Big Ten has 12 teams and the Big 12 has 10 teams. Makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the other game from over the weekend, this one came down in uh, our friend Paul Arzola's uh, neck of the woods. Huckleberry, did you see this thing? Texas A&M completely shuts LSU out of the championship. There's absolutely no chance LSU is getting in now. They go down in seven overtimes, 74 to 72. Uh, a well-fought battle there. An exciting game to watch. I don't know if they actually say if it was a good game, but it was competitive. I'm, I'm more interested in when we look, when you look at strength of schedule, and big wins, does this hurt certain teams? No, oh, I think LSU so. Absolutely. Was down to three losses. Absolutely, I think it does. Absolutely, um, that that could be the kind of thing that drops Alabama out of the top four if Georgia would beat them. Not that I think that is going to happen in any way, shape, or form. I, I think it's almost you know it's almost a foregone. It's ninety percent therein, unless Georgia goes in there, blows them out, and then they start looking. And just outside of that, we're talking about a team about you know Central Florida. They don't really play anyone. Alabama, they 
They've earned the right to, but they manipulate that schedule. You mean, you mean you're not impressed by them beating the Citadel? In mid-November. Hey, they've, got, they've got themselves to a spot. Hey, I'm, I'm more, I don't care that they're booking a team like that later in the year to give themselves a break because everyone else does it early to help, you know, other programs they have ties with or in-state schools like that. Every program does that as their warm-up games. I'm okay with doing it later. My biggest issue with Alabama is go on the road out of conference. But you know what? They've earned. They've earned it. And people are still scheduling them. So the next thing on here is is the hot topic of the week, which is the college football playoff and who is going to be your top four. I mean, you've got Alabama, you've got Clemson, you've got Notre Dame. Now, Alabama and Clemson, obviously, they just take care of business. They're in. I, I don't think there's any question about any of that. When it comes to Notre Dame, all right, I think this gets interesting. Because if Ohio State would blow out Northwestern, or if Oklahoma would blow out Texas, and Georgia would beat Alabama. Where does that leave Notre Dame? Yeah, still at that point, I think the respect, the tradition, they did their job. They still are undefeated right now. I think they are sitting okay. I, I don't think there's any debate for them that they're one of they, – they've got their spot locked up. Out of even the other undefeateds. If I'm they are Georgia – In my mind. If I'm Georgia, I could screw this entire thing up by beating Alabama. Well, that's Real what I'm saying. I, I'm not necessarily putting Bama as a lock. The only lock I'm giving you right now on a Tuesday at 440 Eastern is that Notre Dame is in. So who is number four? That's the big question today. Oklahoma or Ohio State? Now, obviously, Huckleberry is going to be an Ohio State homer. I think it's Oklahoma. I'm not. I think when this when we see this new playoff ranking come out tonight, you're not going to see either one of those teams at number four. You're going to have two SEC schools in there. You're going to have Georgia. Georgia's going to occupy that spot going into next weekend. Now, the big question is, if they lose that game, then where do you go? You know, is it Oklahoma? Is it Ohio State? If they both go over. Well, here's a little bit of a comparison here between the Sooners and the Buckeyes. FPI ranking. Oklahoma's fifth. Ohio State is sixth. Strength of record, Oklahoma is sixth, Ohio State is fifth. Strength of schedule, Oklahoma 34th, Ohio State 48th. That one absolutely goes advantage Oklahoma. Top 25 wins, Oklahoma has three, Ohio State has two. But the, at, the end of the, at the end of the year, where were those teams standing? Because if we're looking at current rankings, a lot of those teams have fallen out. They're only, they're only one and one right now going into their championship week against top 25, where Ohio State has four at the end of the year, top 25. The thing that really hurts Ohio State, your worst loss, Oklahoma, Texas by three, Ohio State, Purdue by 29. I, I get that there. We can, look at, we can look at the losses there. But let's look at, let's go back this week to the biggest ass-beating laid on a top ranked school that happened in the shoe as the, the forgotten cashed out Ohio State Buckeyes laid it to the revenge tour coming from Michigan to me that win speaks volumes over anything that Oklahoma is doing 62 to 39 my god but I think the other thing that works in Oklahoma's favor 
Well, I mean, obviously they have to win the Big 12 championship game, but that and avenges the came, loss. Their loss came to Texas. If they if they can avenge that loss, I think that would be huge for them. It'd be like Ohio State getting another shot at Purdue because I don't think there's any chance in hell that Purdue beats them by 29 any other time that you play that game. Well, and, and you're revisiting one of their biggest rivalries in, in college sports. You know, Texas, Oklahoma. Oh, I thought you were talking about Purdue and Ohio State. No, like, you're, what the you're, hell you're, kind you're of crap are you smoking? No, you'd be revisited after, you know, just in, inside the Big 12, it's a huge rivalry. It's one of the biggest in all of college sports, you know, Oklahoma, Texas. So they, they might be getting that wave of emotion. But let's talk about the business side of this thing. And I know you threw out there, you like the matchup better. If it's Alabama 1 versus Oklahoma 4, because Oklahoma kind of, they spread the field a bit more, that wide open. They're everything Alabama hates. If you're going to beat Alabama, you beat them by playing Oklahoma-style football. But if we're looking at a business side of this thing, you, you know you're going to get the very best in the Buckeyes. You know you're going to get travel. You're going to get advertising. You're going to get merch sales. They're, you put you put Ohio State in this thing, they're going to blow everyone out of the water when it comes to those statistics. And business matters. Okay, but here's one team that they're not going to blow out of the water, and that's Notre Dame. They actually will because that Notre Dame fan base has been so diminished since you and I were growing up, since we were in high school. I mean, they went off the radar for a decade. Maybe it's just because we live in the Midwest, man, but Notre Dame, I still see Notre Dame crap everywhere. You look nationally, they have fallen off the radar. You know, but going back to early 90s to to around when we graduated high school, I mean, they it's Notre Dame. No matter how they were, it was a big deal. They were always in contention. Through the early 2000s, through the teens here, these kids, they don't know that. And they're not as hot anymore. NBC Sports still misses the ball a little bit with how much they're getting there. They just were locked into that deal for so long. That was a ridiculous contract to begin with. I, I don't. I still don't understand how they got that. Let's go ahead. Let's throw things over to the NFL. Oh yeah, it's so great that I have all these nice little soundboards and stuff to make us look all professional and stuff, even when we're really not. Huckleberry, let's talk a little bit about these Thanksgiving games because we didn't get a chance to talk about them at all on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast. Um, Thanksgiving Day, the Bears defeat the Lions twenty three sixteen. The Bears are eight and three. Who in the world saw this thing coming? Do you do you buy the Chicago Bears, or are they the biggest set of pretenders inside of the NFL right now? Well, I think there's a there's a few other sets out there. I want to give you credit to a team we're going to talk about here that you've been calling a pretender since the get go. That I was kind of I was ready to buy when you were obviously you were sell 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 on. I think though it's maybe a little column A column B here with the Bears. I think really you know your division up there that black and blue the NFC North. Arguably, as a whole, probably the weakest, uh, second, second weakest. Uh, it's really hard to to deny that that honor to the NFC East. Yeah, but you start looking at the thing. You know, the Packers became sellers. Uh, they just didn't have the weapons behind their behind their stud. The Lions, who you know were projected, hey, this was a team. Uh oh, Huckleberry's breaking up here. Hey, there you are. You're back. There we are. <laughs> Gotta love technology, man. Everything was going so well. Oh, Eric's right. Hey, every, everyone's still, we're talking about the black and blue division, what they're known for. We are getting pounded with that here in Ohio. I mean, it's coming down. I can only see 
like maybe two feet out the window. Uh, it, it's just coming down, and we got an ice storm here in southern Ohio. Uh, so, hey, it's, we're talking black and blue football. That's what that's all about. But that division is, is so down this year. But, hey, the Bears are coming up in big games. They're on, they're on a hell of a stretch right now. I tell you what, if the Chicago Bears win the NFC North, I can tell you one place I don't want to play in January, and that is Soldier Field in Chicago. I, I, yeah, I, you can beat anybody up there with a good defense in January. Yeah, right now they're looking like yeah, at least they're going to get to host that, that first game in the, in the uh, playoff round or the wild card round. Uh, very dangerous moving on. And they're a team as well, you know, depending on where they go, they can travel. They're going to get you in any kind of weather, and they can get you on on any day. I still don't buy Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the Cowboys take control of the awful NFC East, put down the Redskins 31-23. I don't think this is any big surprise, though. Um, I think Colt McCoy actually played really, really well for a guy that had to remind everybody that he was in the league a week ago. Yeah, I thought he, he came out and he handled himself well. I don't think they put him in, in a lot of uh, – I don't think they really played to his strengths quite a bit. He had to force a lot of throws. He, he, he really felt uncomfortable at times looking at him. Uh, but when, when push came to shove, he, he hung in there. And then we have the Saints doing what the Saints do. I was curious how they would react to this, being, you know, the big spotlight game on Thanksgiving, the Thursday night game, all eyes in the country on them as we're trying to not fall asleep from all the turkey. And they take a hold of this thing, and they put down the Falcons, 31-17, Saints move to 10-1, and the one team I do not want to play in the playoffs, the New Orleans Saints. I don't want to play them in the playoffs. I don't want to play them next week. I don't want to play them in a sandlot game. No. And these guys are heads above the rest of the class. Even the other big contenders that are sitting there, you know, we look at the Chiefs, who I think might be a little bit of a pretender right now. You know, if we're talking like a college football ranking system, I don't know if I have them in my power for. Well, but let's... the Rams are obviously there. But I think even in a rematch, I think the Saints get even better of of the Rams right now. I really want to like Kansas City, man, because I'm in a Kansas City market. Kansas City is a hometown team as far as the Cedar Rapids market is concerned. The thing is, when they play a good team, when they played the Patriots, they got beat. When they played the Rams, they got beat. Like it seems like the same old Andy Reid team, you know, where they're going to get to January, they're going to look great, and then they're going to go out and get beat in the first round of the playoffs. Well, thankfully, they'll survive the wild card round because they will be moving on to the division. Well, the first game uh, they play. But, I, you know, even coming in, when, you, when we talk playoff football, it, it's a different dynamic. And some of these teams are ready for it. Uh, I know we got on a run here. You know, Pittsburgh suffered a huge defeat this week. Uh, very devastating for them. You know, really shifted them where they would be getting that bye week and drops them a couple spots. Obviously, they're still going to get the host one, but it changes the whole dynamic for them. But you got to believe – this Pittsburgh team, they'll be so ready playoff time that they could go, they could end up going in to a Kansas City and knowing how to win. They can handle the elements. They understand what it's like to be there. We've seen an Andy Reid team fail so many other times, and especially when he's going to have to rely on these young stars in Kansas City. So let's talk about Sunday's slate of games. The Browns blow out your Cincinnati Bengals 35-20. to But the much bigger story here, Andy Dalton done for the rest of the season with a thumb injury. Well, I, a couple of interests. This is the first road win that the Browns have had in 25 chances. 
That's ridiculous. And, and sitting here, you know, we we were recording. We went after halftime. I said, I'm done watching watching this bull crap. We recorded a, a wrestling show on that thing. It, but, hey, I, I was just here. You, you saw some of the people I was talking to. The real big story, I know nationally might be that Dalton's gone. That's not the case here. The case is, does he have a future with this team? Is he out? They could save 16 mil by just sticking with the with the curtain back up there. Uh, why the hell does Marvin Lewis still have a job? Why the hell was Hughes Jackson brought in here? And the biggest fear is that Marvin, and you hear rumblings, it's nothing definite. I'm hard time believing it, you know, that Marvin's going to take that, finally take that move to the front office next year, and they're going to hand the keys to this thing to Hugh Jackson. Oh, which, my gosh. The problem is when you say it out loud, you're, you're thinking there's no way that a franchise is this stupid or an inept. But when I actually myself saying it, and I growing up here as a Bengal fan, yes, they are. Uh, here's what happened. You talk about a changing of the guard. What happened Sunday in Cincinnati, it wasn't making a main eventer. It was like uh, finally Kurt Hawkins handing something off his losing streak to someone else. It was a changing of the guard. The Browns are going to elevate themselves and move up, and the Bengals for the next decade will now be the bottom dwellers and going back to the laughing stock that they were in the 90s. So who's uh, who's the backup? A.J. McCarron? No, he, he left last year. It's a young kid. I, I had his name here. Uh, escaped me here. But, hey, when he came out of high school, he was the number one He was the number one quarterback, the national high school quarterback of the year. He actually is talented. I, we were actually having this conversation as I was telling people that we were going to launch the HGM Sports, asking some Bengals questions here. And I asked some of the people, everyone's so upset with the, the possibility of Hugh taking over the Cincinnati Bengals. They said, well, how would you guys feel if maybe he just came back as a coordinator? They promised him that role. Uh, because there's a, a familiar name in the AFC North, Dick LeBeau, yeah. who was a, a tremendous, tremendous player for the Lions in his own right, a uh, tremendous defensive coordinator for the Steelers. Then he came to Cincinnati and took the head coaching job. And he, and he only had like a 276 winning percentage while I was here. I think it's the lowest of any Cincinnati Bengals coach. And that's like the lowest of the low when you know this franchise. But then he goes back to Pittsburgh and takes a coordinator's job, wins a couple Super Bowls, and now the guy's in the Hall of Fame. Would you rather have LeBeau or McCarthy? For Well, I mean, LeBeau's already off the shelf, man. The guy's... Oh, is he gone? Well, I'm talking about the coordinator. Oh, oh, or, or, I'm sorry, not LeBeau. You would would, you rather, have, yeah, would you rather have Jackson or McCarthy? That's what I meant. Sorry, I got my brainwaves fried there. Smoke too much well, actually, weed. The question, well, that was a question I was going to ask you. Another argument around here is if Marvin leaves, what coaches are out there? Mike McCarthy. Who, who's going to fill the shot? But I, I still agree with you. You know, he's got to be in that potential for that running in Cleveland, although the gentleman up there is, is showing. I mean, he looks like a good head coach. He's got his team back on track. As on track as the Cleveland Browns can be. The Seattle Seahawks. I, I, almost, think, I almost think the Bengals just need to go a different direction and, and start fresh. Go get a coordinator out of college. Get somebody young. Try to get some new life, some new energy. You, If you go at this point, you try to get anyone that's mediocre, this fan base, is they're just fed up with it. Seattle Seahawks go down to Carolina and expose the Panthers 30-27. to 27, Cam Newton being Cam Newton. Um, I... I 
I've been telling you forever to sell on Carolina. So I mean, that's, that's gotta clearly be where you're going here. But now I guess you're finally ready to sell on Carolina. Are you ready to buy Seattle? Well, again, I'm not, I'm going to go back. I will have to eat some pro here. I'll have to backtrack a little bit. You know, I thought Carolina was going to be something special uh, that could make some noise. They have the athletes, the studs. They don't have it all together right now. I, I don't even know now if they're really a playoff quality team. Maybe just might be on the outside. On the flip of that, though, I, I still don't know if I buy Seattle. I, I think they're just in that next crop of, you know, that echelon of your Saints uh, and your Rams. I don't even like Seattle against the Bears. Yeah, I'm with you. I, they're a wild card team at best. Well, that's what I'm saying. They got to go on the road. I don't like them on the road anywhere. I mean, the way Dallas is playing right now. I don't know if I like them going into the Big D. Here's another team that's going to be a wild card team, and that's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. 34-17 over the terrible Oakland Raiders. That's not a whole lot to hang your hat on. But the real story here is Lamar Jackson has moved to 2-0. and I think Flacco's done in Baltimore. Hey, I, we were talking about Dalton with it potentially on the move. Flacco's on the move. These are guys that are proven, you know, they, they've got great winning percentages. Uh, they've each been to the playoff. On a hand, on, you know, Flacco though, he's gotten over big. He's been a world champion. We don't see that with like a Dalton, but I just don't know if guys like those of them right now, what are they worth out there for, for trade bait on the market in either case? Are they starters in this league? I mean, we saw a lot of mediocre quarterbacks. We saw a lot of mediocre quarterbacks move last year and get huge paydays. Are we going to see something like that so soon again? Yeah, but Joe Flacco's got a Super Bowl ring. I mean, like, I, to me, Flacco and Dalton are apples and oranges. Flacco's got a Super Bowl I ring. I, I agree with that. But we were we were talking about Dalton before we went on here, you know, and I threw out, where would he go? And people like, oh, they love a service of quarterback like that. No, not with, not with the investments they just put out for people like Cousins and all that. Yeah, no way. Uh, and then the other teams that might be interested, they're already invested in young studs, you know, like a Jets or a Bills or something like that. He, he might, you know, he'd come in, like, in, you know, to a Fitz position down there in Tampa where you know you got a great backup. He's going to get his snaps during the year. you got a reliable hand if you need him. But in a Dalton case, like you said, man, he's way – and I, I see Flacco in that position too. So you got Flacco kind of on top of that group, maybe Dalton too, but there's that big gap there. Who needs him? What kind of pay are they going to get off this? Uh, Paul Arzola asks us in the chat room, do you guys see Jason Garrett out as the coach of the Cowboys by the end of the season? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to hedge. I'm going to hedge. If the Cowboys win that division and, and make the playoffs, home, host a home playoff game, I don't see how you could possibly get rid of Jason Garrett. If the, if the wheels come off and Ezekiel Elliott decides he doesn't want to carry that team anymore, which is really what's going on down there in Dallas, then um, I, I could see where... Uh, Garrett goes out. I mean, I I don't feel like Jason Garrett is necessarily safe in any way, shape, or form. Do you? I feel much more comfortable, or he should feel much more comfortable than he did three weeks ago. That's when they that's when they were saying he saved his job. You now going on the road to Philly, getting that huge road win. Hey Jones, to a fault. I'll say he's loyal, yeah. or it just might be his own pride. He doesn't want to be wrong. He wants to prove that he was right in any case. I think just making winning the division, making the playoffs is enough to save Garrett for another season. But again, that's been, you know, one of the, uh, you know, one of the gripes against him is they, they're, they've been getting there, getting there, but they continue to fall short in those playoff situations. 
Broncos defeat the Steelers 24-17. You still buying the Steelers, or are you ready to sell on them, too? I, I, I feel like they're in that next echelon down now. No, I think you get, as I was saying, you get a different Steeler team when it comes to playoff season. But do you and see them going into Kansas City or Foxborough and getting a big win? They've proven they know how to go in there and win in Foxborough. Uh, I don't really trust Andy Reid and the young team in Kansas City. I I think they're they're going to take this loss in in mile at mile high, which by the way is one of the hardest places to go in and get a win. That's true, especially especially late in the year. This might be a letdown. That's more one of those blessings in disguise that revigorates them to say, you know what? Now we've got to get ourselves. We went through those early season struggles where people thought we were falling apart. We got ourselves back on track. We're right up here in the running for just not even the division, the conference. You fall back down a little bit. This is that next kick in the ass that they need to start playing some playoff football. Uh, weeks ago, we I'll, I'll, I'll come out here and say it right now. My prediction for the Super Bowl is the Saints and Steelers. Weeks ago, we kind of anointed Drew Brees the default MVP. And Huckleberry, I, there's something else going on here. The Colts win again this week, 27-24. I guess my question to you, is Andrew Luck the real MVP? Because I can't tell you one player that plays for the Indianapolis Colts not named Andrew Luck. they got a few players today, but he's playing out of his mind. And, and this team, they're going to be that surprise. They're going to steal a playoff spot here. They're going to make some noise. I, but I think overall, he, he's got a great story. He is obviously the comeback player of the year. But the accomplishments that we are seeing from Drew Brees, what is happening for that team, they are unmatched. It's true. It's true. I, I, I don't know, man. I feel like Luck absolutely deserves to be in that conversation. Uh, let's conversation, talk to- great. Here's, here's a seat at the table, but your name's not getting called for the trophy. Let's talk a little bit of college basketball real quick before we wrap things up here. Um, the Big Ten versus ACC Challenge is underway and going strong. Kicked off last night. Nebraska defeating Clemson 68-66. Boston College defesting Minnesota 68-56. to So we're split at one. Jesus Christ, that woman is pissed. Holy cow. Uh, tonight, though, we've got a big slate of games here, Huckleberry, and one of them I know will spark your interest. We've got Illinois at Notre Dame because Notre Dame's in the ACC when it comes to basketball. Number 13, Virginia Tech at Penn State. Number 9, Michigan State at Louisville. That should be a really good game. NC State at number 22, Wisconsin. Pittsburgh is going to defeat number 14, Iowa tonight. That's what I see going down. And then we have your marquee game of the night. Indiana at number 3, Duke. 930 on ESPN. Huckleberry, I'm hoping good things for our Dukies tonight. Well, yeah, this is going to be a major bounce back. Uh, the most devastating part of this holiday season uh, was that loss out in Hawaii, which I am refusing to recognize. Hawaii is not even a real state. We bought it so we would have a, like our own vacation getaway where we didn't need passports or anything like that. So you asked the poor dude, but the, the devils, the blue devils that go from Durham, North Carolina, all the way out to Hawaii for this thing. It is. It was a trap. Uh, it doesn't count. They took the night off. It was easy. But the Hoosiers are going to pay tonight in a big way. 
Tomorrow night, we finish off the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Rutgers at Miami, Syracuse at number 16, the Ohio State University. Number four, Virginia at Maryland. Number 24, I'm looking for Maryland to pick up a big win for the Big Ten there. Number 19, Purdue at number 15, Florida State. Georgia Tech at Northwestern. That's known as the come down match in the pro wrestling world. And then we have your marquee game of this entire shindig, Huckleberry. Number 11, North Carolina at number 7, Michigan. Tomorrow night, 9.30 on ESPN. Rick, when it comes to college basketball, I know you're a Duke fan, but obviously you reside there in the great state of Ohio. You pull for the Ohio State Buckeyes. When it comes to the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which conference are you pulling for? When it, when it comes to conferences overall, I'm an ACC guy, especially in basketball. And as you say, you know, the two games, obviously the one game that stands out to us, you know, we got going down tonight, Indiana at Duke. I think just as important is North Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, Carolina was got to come with a little bounce back here. They got a – hey, it's kind of fitting. They got Michigan and Carolina. It's kind of on their revenge tour to get back in, in the winning ways and, and keep moving up. I got to go for the Wolverines in that one, man. I, I understand your logic of wanting Carolina to win so Duke looks better when we wipe our ass with the Tar Heels. But, man – Fuck North Carolina. Go Wolverines. Go Blue. Nah, man. If, if, if I'm Dean Ambrose, I want Seth Rollins to win every match he has so that it's even more impactful when I kick his ass. So that's going to wrap things up for this debut episode of HTM Sports. Thanks for watching and or listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find the show on your favorite podcast listening device at hittingthemarks.podbean.com where RBV and I will be back in your ear holes this Friday with a whole new episode of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com, and stay tuned here to twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks tomorrow for a very special live broadcast of this is nxt tomorrow night at 9 30 p.m eastern standard time you can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo rbv how do the sad hoosier fans find you well in that virtual world you can find me across all social media platforms at the real rbv but for the next two hours you can find me at happy hour that's it for today's show thanks for watching and or listening we'll talk to you friday for now we're off like a prom dress see ya